Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the darkness of the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is the very word of our God as it is found for us in Matthew chapter 4. Well, what difference a day can make, not only when it comes to the weather lately, but also when it comes to the life of Jesus. Last Sunday, we celebrated the transfiguration. We heard and we saw how Jesus was transfigured before his disciples. Maybe for the very first time, they began to understand who he truly was. Very God of very God, dazzling all the brightness of the sun. But again, what difference does a day make? Today, the focus is on darkness. On Ash Wednesday, we began the journey of Lent, the journey to the deepest, darkest hour that the world has ever known on Good Friday, as Jesus hung on the cross. You know, Lent, even though it comes from an old English word, lengthen, which means that the days are getting longer as we near spring and Easter, Lent is a season of darkness. The color of Lent is purple and also black, symbolizing the darkness of our sin. In our lesson for today, we find Jesus in the wilderness. He doesn't just wander into the wilderness, but he is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. God's Word tells us that he was led there to be tempted. But probably we might ask ourselves why. The wilderness is a place that is associated with death. It's a dry, parched place. Hardly anything lives in the desert. To the people in the Old Testament, the desert was a place associated with uh, Satan. That that's where the devil dwelt. Jesus was led by the Spirit to do battle into Satan's territory. Jesus had to do that. He had to defeat our enemy because we were incapable. We are too weak to do that. So Jesus would begin His work of saving us by defeating our worst enemy, the one who can keep us uh, from God. And so it is that many people today sadly believe that the devil doesn't exist. There are many people today who believe that hell doesn't exist, that that's simply an invention of the church to put people on a guilt trip to get more money. How sad that is. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled by that kind of thinking. People who are fooled by that, the devil's already won the biggest victory in their life. God's Word certainly takes the devil seriously. So does Jesus. In fact, Paul tells us in the book of Colossians that God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. The word dominion suggests that uh, you are ruled by someone or something in your life. You are either ruled by Jesus or by Satan. There are no other choices. Our strength is too weak to resist the old evil foe, as Martin Luther put it, in a mighty fortress is our God. 
course, we heard in the children's message this morning how Adam and Eve caved in to temptation. How the devil came with that temptation to try to get them to doubt the Word of God. It's the same thing the devil does today, and the devil is having a great field day today within our world, even within our churches, to doubt the authenticity and the authority of God's Word. In today's lesson, we see the devil even trying to do the same thing to Jesus. Three times Jesus is tempted. Three times he is tempted to doubt the Word of God. Again, the devil is sly. The devil is deceitful. Turn these stones into bread. He takes Jesus to the highest spire on the temple. He says, jump off. Create a sensation and people will believe in you. And then he says, ultimately, bow down and worship me. And I will give you everything that you desire. The devil quotes scripture. But the devil misquotes scripture. The devil masters in what I might call half-truths. And is the half-truth really the truth? You know, God's people in the Old Testament believed that when the Messiah returned, he would go to the highest place of the temple, the spire of the temple. That the Messiah would go to the temple because that's where God promised to dwell among his people. What Satan is tempting to do is really to try to get Jesus to think of doing something uh, spectacular. To draw a crowd, jump off the highest spire of the temple, and that will be so spectacular that people will have to believe in you. But Jesus does not cave in to the spectacular. Instead, Jesus knows better. He knows that the only place he is called to go is to the cross. He is going to be lifted up on the cross because he knows that's the only place where he can save you and me. Think about the cross. The cross is not a very glorious place. But Jesus knows that this is the place where he must go to accomplish the Father's will. Make no mistake about it, these temptations show how sneaky and how sly the devil is, trying to deceive not only you and me, but trying to deceive our Lord. See, the devil's goal is to keep you in the dark. Think about the desert. The desert, in a sense, is a place of darkness. It is a place of nothingness. It is a place where there are few points of reference. Sometimes it's easy to get lost in the desert. No reference points, no trees, no anything to get your bearings. Devil would use the wilderness, this place of darkness, to tempt Jesus. You know, most of us here have probably never experienced total darkness unless we've been to one of those caves. I remember being in a cave in Salzburg, Austria. You know, when you're in a cave, total darkness, it's not long when they turn off even the flashlight and, and this fear begins to uh, set in. It's almost demonic in a sense. It's kind of fear because uh, immediately 
you have this uh, loss of orientation, you're disoriented, you uh, wonder where you're going, complete nothingness encompasses you. you know, God created a world out of nothingness. The Bible tells us that the earth was without form, it was void, darkness hovered over the surface of the deep. And then on the first day of creation, what did God do? God created the light. And suddenly the darkness and the nothingness was dispelled. And from then on, all of the goodness that God had created could be seen. And then on the fourth day, God set the light in the expanse of heaven to rule over the day and to rule over the night. Again, to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was, what? Very good. When God created good, however, suddenly, after creation, suddenly things went dark. As Adam and Eve caved into sin. Because they caved into sin, they brought sin down not only upon themselves, but they brought this sin, sickness, and this darkness down upon the whole world. Again, the devil tempted them. You can just hear the reasoning. You know, God wants you to eat from the fruit of the tree because he knows that when you do, your eyes will really open. Again, another half-truth. Were their eyes open? Absolutely. But not to what they thought that they would see. Now their eyes were open to real darkness and separation from God. The result is that they no longer saw the goodness of God's creation. And on that day, from that point on, they would know real fear. They would know real darkness in their life. Not only them, but their children would also become sin sick. And darkness would reign over them. What did Paul say in today's lesson from the epistle from Romans? He said, sin came into the world through what? One man, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. And all have fallen, what? Short of the glory of God. Now, I'm glad that Don brought up baptism this morning. Because Jesus' first act after his baptism was to do for us what we could not do. He was led by the Spirit into the darkness of the wilderness to do battle with the old evil foe. And certainly the devil knew that the only way to defeat Jesus would be to try to get him to deny his sonship. To try to get him and keep him from suffering and going to the cross. You know, I said that to some people the other day, and they said, why would the devil want to keep Jesus from the cross? Doesn't he want him dead? No, the devil knows that if Jesus dies on the cross, he is himself defeated. Satan's no fool. He's smart. He's sly. He says to Jesus, in essence, think of yourself. Grab for some of the gusto yourself. You don't really need this you're going to suffer and die for people that are undeserving, people who will refuse to put their faith and trust in you? Again, the devil says, bow down to me and I will give you what you desire. I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. But Jesus knew that his destiny was the cross. He fought off all of Satan's attempts to keep him 
from this saving act. Jesus fought Satan with the only weapon that could defeat him. That's what? The Word of God. The all-powerful, creating Word of God that God used at the creation of the world when he said, let there be light. It is with that same Word that he would defeat the temptations of the devil. You remember what the psalmist said? Some of you may have had this as a confirmation verse. Your word is what? A lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Satan, of course, would not quit here in the wilderness. He would wait for a more opportune time. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he would continue to tempt Jesus. But think about that one temptation in another place, in a place that's completely the opposite of the wilderness. A place that we know on Monday, Thursday, that's called the Garden of Gethsemane. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, the devil is making another attempt to derail Jesus. There in the Garden, outside of Jerusalem, Jesus sees the cup of God's wrath that he must drink over the sin of the whole world. God's wrath and God's anger over sin. He looks at the abyss and the horror of darkness caused by our sin. And Jesus prays in the garden what? He says, my father, if it's possible, remove this cup from me. But not my will, but your will be done. Only Jesus could defeat the darkness of our sin. Why? Because he alone was able to offer the perfect sacrifice. Today's lesson puts it this way. By one man's disobedience, the many became disobedience. By one man's righteousness, the many will become righteous. Only Jesus can make you right with God. Jesus makes us right. Jesus takes what is wrong, and he is the one who pays the price. He is the one who would literally suffer in our place. He would literally go to the empty tomb. He would kick down its walls for our release on Easter Sunday morning. You know, when you suffer deep darkness in your life, when you are confronted with all kinds of temptations every day in your life, think about doing this. It may help. Not only remember your baptism, but take your hand and trace on your forehead the sign of the cross as a constant reminder of what God has done for you to make you his own. This morning we have the privilege of being reminded in the Lord's Supper of what Christ has done for us to feed our souls. When we cave into temptation and darkness, I don't know about you, but sometimes I say, why do I do this? I know that it's wrong. Why don't I do the things God has called me to do? Why do I sin? Why do I lie? Why do I hate? Why do I cheat? God's Word reminds us that temptations will surely come. And some people would suggest that we ought to blame those temptations on God. How dare we blame them on God? 
Or how dare we say, the devil made me do it. You know, that's Flip Wilson. The devil can't make you do anything. The devil can tempt you, but the only one who can cause you to fall is yourself. And the real reason we fall into sin is that we want to do our own thing. We don't want anybody else telling us what to do, especially God. And the devil just makes sure that he attacks us at, at the point of where our desires are already taking us. And desire leads to what? Desires can often lead to sin. Again, what we've been thinking about doing, we often do. And one of Satan's greatest arguments to convince us that we should follow the desires of our sinful heart is what? He says, well, what's the big deal? Everybody else is doing it right. It's like your mother. Your mother would say, if everybody else jumps off the cliff, would you jump off the cliff too? So how do you overcome temptation? You know the answer to this. There's only one way. And that is to trust in Christ. There is only one place to go. And that is to Jesus and His Word. Just like Jesus did in the wilderness. Jesus used the Word of God to conquer the devil. And you and I need to get serious. We need to carry God's Word with us in our heart, in our soul, and in our mind. You know why? Because when temptation comes, we don't have time to run and get our Bible. How important it is that God's Word is in your heart, your soul, and your mind. You know, one of my favorite prayers when I was a kid in the old uh, Lutheran hymnal... Uh, that idea of when we talk about uh, taking God's Word and doing what with it? Reading it, marking it, and inwardly digesting it. Again, be careful. Make sure that you daily feed on the Word of God. And secondly, be careful who you get advice from. There's a lot of people today who are not following Jesus. We're tempted to listen to their advice. It sounds good. But be friends with spirit-filled people. Jesus knew that you were in a battle. Jesus knows it full well. And that's why he reminds you again today of this. He says, call upon me. Call upon me in the day of trouble. And I will deliver you. And I will show you. My salvation, I will show you what I have done for you. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the author and the very perfecter of your faith. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we deal, as we fight the good fight of faith, temptations surely come. They come sometimes from unexpected places. But Lord, we know that uh, the only way to fight those temptations is not with our own strength, not with the things of this world. The only way to fight them is with the weapons of the Spirit. And what are the weapons of the Spirit? The Spirit works through the Word, through the sacraments, through baptism in the Lord's Supper. And how often, Lord, is it that uh, that's often the last thing that we turn to as a last resort? If nothing else works, we sometimes just as a last resort turn to you. 
Help us, Lord, to learn the lesson to turn to you first, first and foremost, every day of our life. Lord, we need you, and we need your help. And thank goodness today we can say, and we know we have it. Lord, we pray and we ask these things in your name, and all of God's people said, Amen.